Hi, welcome to the Axe Church UK weekly podcast. We hope you'll be inspired and blessed by today's message. Enjoy. If you're early to church, you will see that we pray for all of our locations. And uh, one of the things that God is doing through Axe Church is in Indonesia, there's a revival. Amen. And I know all the Indonesians in church got very excited. Amen. God loves Indonesia. And Indonesia is huge. And Indonesia needs the gospel. And uh, by the grace of God, uh, upon Pastor Franz, our uh, pastor in X Bekasi, uh, he, God's given him anointing to just share and raise disciples. And um, church planting is happening more and more into the, 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 you know, the far reaches you know, of Indonesia, many places, very rural in. And of course, if you're early to church, you'll see that we actually have a huge list just under Indonesia alone. But recently, we met a pastor who was there in our church conference, uh, who's newly, uh, uh, you know, just started a new ex-church location uh, in Medan, if I'm not mistaken. Please don't crucify me, fellow Indonesians. Uh, um, uh, I call myself fellow Indonesians because my dad spent, like, you know, his almost, you know, his entire life there. Uh, so Indonesia is very close to my heart also. Um, but uh, Lake Toba, Lake Toba, uh, Lake Toba, if I'm not mistaken, is near Medan. It is uh, near this, of course, Lake Toba was a former volcano. Maybe it's still alive, I'm not sure. Uh, that doesn't matter. But we have a church in Lake Toba. Uh, and uh, it's X Lake Toba. And uh, met with the pastor there called Pastor Jeffrey. And uh, he's doing a great work. Uh, but how God spoke this testimony to us was we were at the, at the conference and it was pastor's lunch and uh, we were just there, you know, just finding a table to just sit down and both myself and Pastor Cat were seated around this table with all this empty table, we'll go there and there's a nice lady just sitting there by herself. We went to sit next to her and uh, chat to her, find out she's from Indonesia, finds out she's involved with uh, Axe Church Lake Toba and uh, she's on the team with them uh, um, not full-time or anything, but she does run a kindergarten full-time. And uh, she's just, just really just there, seated there, very, and very calm, uh, very unassuming, but a powerful, powerful testimony. And the, and the way she said it was like, it's, it's just normal. That's just my life. And so we were asking, oh, so what do you do? And, and, and uh, et cetera. And she says, oh, I run a, a kindergarten. And we have about 200 children uh, that are at our center every day. And we're like, wow, that's amazing. That alone itself, you know, so the church has a kindergarten and you lead it. So yeah, yeah. And then 200 children there, yeah, yeah. Uh, and then she goes on to say that, yeah, but these 200 children come from the leper community. Now, some of you, you don't even know what leper is. Uh, leprosy in the Bible, in the Old Testament, pops out a lot of times. Even in the New Testament, lepers will go to Jesus for healing. Is this skin condition or maybe um, a nervous, new, no, uh, a kind of like a nervous system disease. I'm not a scientist, uh, just a pastor. Uh, but it attacks the nerves. And it basically takes away that person's ability to feel pain. Now before you think that that's some kind of superhero power, it's not. Uh, sometimes we don't like pain, but pain is actually a blessing. God gave us pain receptors for a reason because it tells us, tells our body when we are hurt, tells our body when we are bleeding. And when we are bleeding, the cell responds by sending, you know, stuff there to fix the wound. Confirm, I'm not a scientist. And so what leprosy does, it takes away the ability to feel pain. And so these people go through life and, and they get cuts and they don't feel it. And not only do they not feel it, the body doesn't know that they are hurt. And so that part continues to bleed. Uh, that part goes untreated. Uh, and if, they, if you cut your hand, you tend to maybe, you know, not use that hand for a while. You tend to bandage up that hand. Whether it's a paper cut, you'll be like, ooh, owie. And then maybe not use that finger for your heavy lifting. But when people with leprosy get cut, even if it's a paper cut, even if they step on the floor and it's a thorn, uh, the body doesn't know and continues to hurt and gangrene takes place. And before you know it, they lose an arm. They, do, they lose an egg, a uh, leg, not egg. Okay, jet lag speaking. They lose legs, they lose arms, they lose... No, and, and it attacks, it's also like a, it affects the immune system. And so basically, just like in the Old Testament, the way to handle leprosy is to isolate them because it is also contagious. Uh, and that if you touch them, you have a potential to catch that thing. And most of the world have, um, you know, slowly isolated leper communities to a point where in, in many parts of the world, it is not a problem. But in many parts of the world, it is still a problem. 
And in that particular part in Indonesia, it's still a problem. Now, the children are healthy. But because their parents are lepers, they are ostracized by community. And so they're not allowed to go to any place, any school, any university, or even any kindergarten. And so these children, just nothing wrong. They did nothing wrong except they were born into a family with problems. Um, this church decides to take them in. That, that's, that's the church family we believe in and we are part of church. And not just that, Ex Toba not only takes in the children but, but every month at least because the lepers have a unique leper community, um, you know, Pastor Jeffrey who leads the church there uh, brings the team in and I ask him, what do you guys do? Oh, we go in there when we minister because many of them are Muslim. Uh, but even uh, though they are Muslim, the local mosques have, have rejected them and have w- wanted to do nothing with them. And so they are there uh, just in need of answers, direction, encouragement, and, 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 and spiritually hungry, but nobody to feed them. And so uh, the, our church there leads a team in. And I ask, what do you do when you go in? We go in, we, we bring supplies. We go in, we throw a feast, a kanduri, we, we have people over, we have a meal. What do you do? I say that we, we have a, a chapel service, we tell them about Jesus, we worship together, but on top of that, we, we pray for them. On top of that, we hug them. On top of that, we shake their hands. And he was quick to say, but you know, uh, but by the grace of God, none of our members have fallen sick. None of our members have caught anything. And so by faith, so the next time you wonder, no, what's the church about? The next time you think, oh, I don't know about any of the church locations, just, just know that some of them are risking their lives every month, li- risking their comfort every month so that one more can come to know Christ. That, that's part of our church family. Amen? And when you read Hebrews, it says, and then now that we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, our cloud of witnesses are, are people like Pastor Jeffrey and and even that unnamed lady, I feel so ashamed. I even forgot to ask her, her name because I was just, you know, mind blown by what she is doing. How many want to hear another one? Recently we prayed. You know, of course, I'm saying all this, uh, uh, but the exciting thing is we'll announce it maybe nearer to, to, to Easter, 21 days leading to Easter. As a church, we always fast and pray. Uh, but on top of fasting and praying, we also set aside money, uh, seeking the Lord to set aside money so that we can collect it on Easter Sunday as a missions offering so that we can also go, the pound maybe can go a little bit further in some of these countries. Amen. Uh, uh, so, so that's a by-the-side advertisement for our U-turn, 21 days of prayer and fast coming up. Uh, we will give you the announcements when it happens. Recently, we heard the news that uh, Pastor Lucas, our pastor in X Church Singapore, passed away after a long fight with cancer. Um, the beautiful thing is that, you know, when uh, two things can, can happen when pastors um, of churches get affected, especially if they pass away or something happens to them. The church can just go in separate ways or the church can rally. And what has happened is that the church has rallied uh, in spite of the death of their beloved pastor. And in... in Pastor Lucas's absence, um, Pastor Kenneth have, has felt the Holy Spirit uh, to appoint, uh, for now, uh, two coordinators. Uh, and um, uh, they are none other than, I'll tell you their names so they can pray for them next time I see X Singapore. Pray for them. Pray for John, Pastor John Lim, which is actually Pastor Lucas Lim's son. And he's young. He's a, he's a young man. He's uh, in his 20s. Isn't he? He's going to get married this year. Uh, so he's in his mid-twenties at least. How many of you are mid-twenties? Amen. How many want to be a pastor? Amen. Less hands. <laughs> and of course, uh, the other person is, uh, not John, and then the other person is uh, uh, Michael, uh, Mike Chai. Uh, some of you uh, from the very early days of X Church, the OG days, I think only two people left from the very OG days, uh, you will know Mike Chai. So Mike Chai is married, of course, but uh, he's also, uh, you know, been appointed. And just two of them will will be soon be appointed as uh, assistant pastors uh, in God's timing to, to basically build, rebuild the church. Uh, and uh, the church is, you know, has some older congregations, so they are also getting used to new and young leaders stepping up. Uh, but what really touched me was how the church rallied. But one particular thing that, that John shared, uh, having lost his dad um, in the last year and having to step up um, by God's grace into this role, 
um, he said that it's been a difficult process, a real healing process. And he's like, you know, I, I, you know previously I just shared, I just uh, served in the worship team and uh, I don't do much you know, stage stuff. Besides that, I definitely don't like speaking. Uh, but God is using him and God is healing him. And uh, he shared three things that totally just blew my mind. Not because they were necessarily new, uh, but because they were important. Sometimes as Christians, we can know too much and we forget the really important things. Uh, we have this unhealthy habit of wanting the new, wanting the deeper, not realizing that actually the foundations are the strongest and that those are the things that if we can get right. Paul, who was a learned, we, today we call him a theologian, at the time he was just a follower of Jesus. Uh, you know, in certain circles, we worship his brilliance, but he himself also said that I desire to know nothing and preach nothing except Christ crucified. And sometimes we got to go back to the basics and, and allow the basics to become so ingrained in our DNA uh, that we live like Jesus today. And so he shared three things. He said in, in the whole time of stepping up to this new role, healing from losing my dad, I learned three things. The first thing is this. The ball is always in your court. Those of us who play f football or basketball, you understand that the ball is in our court. The ball is in our side of the field. In other words, no matter what life throws at you, you always have a decision to make. You can either give up and just, you know, pass the ball to somebody or you can take the ball and aim to score and aim to kick it into the goal, aim to dunk it in. And so he said that with my father's passing it was painful but I realized that the ball is in my court and so I have two choices. I can either continue to wallow in pain or I can rise up because God needs to be glorified. And he knew that his father would want him to continue to worship God with his all and not cry over his passing. And so I was like, wow, that's a word, isn't it? That's a word that all of us Christians, we need to hear again. The ball is in our court. It doesn't matter what you're doing, whether you're working or you're studying, the ball is in your court. Amen? You know, you're in London, but the ball is in your court. How do you choose to live your life here? Will you choose to live it to glorify God or will you choose it to live for yourself? The ball is in your court. In the season of fear and panic, would you choose to live by faith or will you choose to live under pressure? The ball is in your court. And then it says that another thing about my dad passing away is that I always imagine, he said, that I will have all the time in the world with my dad because he's a young man in his early 20s. Can you imagine losing your father in your early 20s? And then he says that, and the Holy Spirit reminded him that actually we all live for eternity. And he realized now that, you know what? I, I, I'm hurting because I'm losing my dad, but, but we live for eternity. So in a way, I, I, I do have, and I will have a long time with my dad, it's just that not for now. And one day we will see each other in eternity and we will have eternity to catch up. But it doesn't change the fact that while we are living on this side of eternity, we are still living for eternity. So the question we've got to ask ourselves is, is what are we doing for heaven's sake? What are we doing for eternity's sake? All of us will one day venture into eternity. The question is, will it be an eternity with Jesus or an eternity without Jesus? And those of us who have an eternity with Jesus, that God has already given us that security of salvation, what about our friends and loved ones who have yet to hear of the good news of the gospel? And what are we doing today for their eternity? Are we living for eternity? Are you, you know, and part of our eternity is to tell others of the truth of God and the good news of the gospel. Amen? And so he says that I realize now that, yeah, I miss my dad, but I'm going to have eternity with him. But until that eternity comes, what am I doing now? How am I living now? How does my 24-7 reflect God's eternity? I believe that's a word for some of us today. Because I was hearing that, I was like, wow, this is... <laughs> I wish at that moment I can pack up the whole of Exodus UK into a suitcase and, and ship them there and, and just get John to say, say it one more time. <laughs> and what was powerful is because he said it came out of his life. 
he said that it, it, this is not me having God didn't drop these three points into my life after the day after my dad passed away. This was after a journey of mourning and seeking the Lord and rallying back to Jesus. And last but not least, he says that and all of us have a purpose. All of us, we have a purpose. And he shared this very touching thing in his father's final moments. His father was fight with cancer was so serious that he was bedridden um, in a lot of pain. And in the last four months, he was even wheelchair-bound. At least four months, could even be longer than that. And as he was at nearing his final breath, he said the whole family was surrounded there. And uh, he said his father started to, to catch glimpses of heaven. And I heard this testimony many times before. A lot of people who are saved, when we see death, it is no longer fear. Uh, and as you near death, the, the, the borders between the reality of this present world and eternity begins to, to fade and you begin to have a peek into eternity. And of course, people who don't know Christ many times when they near their final breath is full of fear because also the barriers between reality begins to drop and they can see into eternity without Christ, full of darkness and fear and screaming. But Pastor Lucas starts saying, I, 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 I think I see Jesus. He's seated there glorious in His throne. Angels are surrounding him in, in perfect worship. I hear Jesus. I hear him say to me, well done, good and faithful servant. And he begins to break down to cry. He said, my father began to break down to cry because his father said, for the last four months, I was bound in the wheelchair. And John said that, you know, I love my dad, but my dad's not a big time speaker. My dad doesn't write books or sells books. My dad can't, as a preacher, as a pastor, can't pack auditoriums. My dad's not a famous evangelist. My dad's just a faithful pastor. And in fact, in the last four months, he was hardly even able, in fact, longer than four months since he got sick, he was not even able to play that role. And yet God would say, well done, good and faithful servant. Because he then realized that all of us, we have a purpose. And that purpose is not necessary to fill stadium with souls. Sometimes we think that to do great things for God, I'm going to pray for someone and that someone has to, if he was lame, he has to walk. If he was dead, he has to rise. Sometimes purpose is just about being faithful. And that is Jesus' commendation. Well done, good and faithful. And so, he was there and he realized that all of us have a purpose and that helped him to step up. Because he says, that, how do I step out in the shoes of my, my dad? He's no big time, but he's big time at least in my church. <laughs> and people have expectations on me. But then he realized that, you know what? All of us, we have a purpose. And I, I don't need to be famous. I just need to be faithful. I, I, and I'll just leave the rest to God. And I'm seated there, I'm like, wow. Wow. And one thing about Pastor Lucas is that he would move in a very strong and sharp prophetic word and prophetic anointing. And uh, after hearing that, I went to John, his son, and said, that, you know what? I believe your father's gift is living through you more than you realize. And, and because just your, whatever you shared has touched me, uh, it's so powerful. And even now I'm sharing, it has touched all of us, I believe. That's just ex Singapore. <laughs> How many going to hear at least one more? I know, 12.30, I, I got I to preach, right? <laughs> um, Pastor Lazarus, Exodus Botswana. Some of you know him from the, again, the OG ex London days. Actually, X London was started by, well, I won't say started, it started by God, but it was planted by Lazarus. Today, we call him Pastor Lazarus. By the time, he was just international student Lazarus. Any international students in the house? Maybe in 10 years' time, I'll call you pastor. Who says where God is leading you, you can't do something great there. Who, and so, he was given an opportunity to study in London, and God put within him, why don't you start something? And uh, he didn't want to start something. But God says, start something. So he started a prayer group that after a while, God says that, I want you to start my church. 
and the rest is history. We're all today standing here because one international student didn't back away when God told him to do something. What is God speaking to you today? So Pastor Lazarus, he's, he's going to be a dad. Oh, he is already a dad. His wife is pregnant. So, so uh, it's crazy for me because I knew him as a student. Now he's pastor and he's pregnant. And he, uh, uh, well, he's not pregnant. He's pre- <laughs> His wife is pregnant. Uh, you guys okay? You okay with me sharing this? You know, uh, uh, no, not so smooth. You know, a lot of you know, fumbles. Maybe the jet lag. Maybe I'm just being real. Um, and so, but, but in a way, he is pregnant with, with a dream. Uh, <laughs> so he just, by faith, this weekend, uh, started a prayer group, a, a Bible study group, a prayer group in University of Pretoria, which is South Africa. And he's like, by faith, declaring, say that, could this be X Pretoria? He has a vision, right? Um, 55. Carla, uh, uh, you can check me on this. 50, there are 55 nations in, in the whole continent of Africa, if I'm not mistaken. At least 55. And, and Pastor Lazarus, it's okay, everyone look here. Don't. And Pastor Lazarus uh, has a dream that in 2030, 2030, in 10 years' time, 2030, he, um, right, uh, 20 years' time, sorry, 2040. He hopes that in 2040, in 20 years' time, because Acts Church should celebrate 20th anniversary, he says that, I hope that in 20 years' time that we will have an Acts Church in every nation in the whole continent of Africa. And he's dreaming of how can I raise people, how can I send them out. And I, 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 I turn to him and go like, you know, brother, actually, if you want to reach Africa, it takes the whole world. So, so don't just selfishly declare that this is something for Xbox One only. I, I want in. <laughs> so I want to share it. And that's why I'm sharing it. Because how many know that you don't need to be African to plant a church in Africa? In fact, do you know that our church in Botswana, Africa was pan- planted by a, a Chinese-Malaysian <laughs> called Lim Guan Jin? <laughs> that doesn't sound African at all. <laughs> um, um, but God gave him a, a real burden for Africa and he went and he was our first church planter and, and of course today, ex-church Botswana is thriving and, and so... Pastor Lazarus is actually also doing PhD. He's doing his PhD. And so every week, he drives 400 kilometers from South Africa to Botswana. And it's not 400 kilometers of smooth roads. You know, he's driving through. Sometimes there'll be riots on the street. Sometimes there'll be different things. And he's driving through that every week. How, how many of you would, would travel 400 kilometers for church? Amen. I know some of you do travel. I know we have people traveling down from from Reading, from Hertfordshire, from Watford Junction, uh, from Surrey. Uh, and and I, I, I honour you. Thank you so much for believing, that, believing in what God is doing here that is worth travelling for. Pastor Lazarus travels 400 kilometres one way to do church. And, uh, and he has hopes of seeing more people rise up and driving, and he's plotted everything, how like, from Botswana, how many neighbouring countries, and if he starts something from, from Af- uh, South Africa, there'll be how many neighbouring countries going up, and we were dreaming, and he was saying that maybe in the future, some of these services might not even be in English, they might need to be in French, because not every part in Africa is English speaking, and we were talking, and we were like, wow, I can't wait, and I just want to share it, because I say we also have, you know, at least one student from Kenya, and uh, he's saying that, yeah, we also have some Kenyans in Botswana, and who knows what God will do, right? I say, yeah, who knows? And so we're just going to share it. And I'm not singling anyone out, but it could be you. Why can't it be you? You know, maybe you'll graduate and God says that, give me a year. How many of you would give God a year if He says give to you? And maybe that one year is to, you know, I know the glamorous thing is to go for work travel visa in Australia or in the UK or even in America. But why not? no volunteer in something in another part of the world that, and trust that in that one year God can lead you to do much more, so much more. And so, uh, besides all that, you know, all that hopes and all that dreams, uh, yeah, ex-church Pretoria. Uh, he has dreams of starting that. And uh, he believes that, you know what? I, 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 he said that I, I need to do this, he says, because I need to role model it out. Otherwise, 
the church won't understand. So I need to show it so that the church can understand. Maybe some of us here, we need to live in such a way where we show the world around us what God looks like so that they can understand. Amen. We believe in preaching the gospel, but when necessary, use words because our actions speak louder than that. Amen. I know I'm running out of time, but I just want to share with you, you know. And, and maybe in weeks to come, I'll, I'll share more about what we're doing in uh, Myanmar. I uh, also met another pastor, Pastor Samuel, uh, and also a newly dad. I, I joke with all the church planters, they're all becoming dads. Even Australia, Pastor Joel has a daughter now. Pastor Sam in Myanmar has a daughter now. Uh, me and Pastor Ke has a, have a dog. Uh, so, so we joke, we joke that we got the wrong memo, you know. <laughs> Uh, we need to fine-tune our antennas. Um, but, uh, you know, uh, Pastor Samuel from Samuel Tin from Edges, Myanmar said that, uh, you know, he, he brought, introduced us a new pastor, uh, Pastor Tay, who wants to, uh, is in fact helping him to plant uh, into the deeper, more rural parts of Myanmar, deeper away from uh, Yangon. Uh, you know, uh, Pastor Banjob and Sister Busara, or Pastor Busara now, uh, in uh, ex church Chiang Mai, uh, said that no, praise God, church is growing. Uh, and, uh, and then he said, recently we just built a wall and we painted a wall, and because church is growing, we got to tear down the wall. And so that church, and, and they do everything there DIY. They didn't, don't hire people to build the church, they build the church. They mix the cement, they put everything up. Can you imagine doing all that, painting the wall, and then church grows, and then you've got to tear down that wall. Amen. And then you know what they say? They say that, oh, so good to see you again. So good to hear all that's doing, happening in UK. No, I shared some of what is doing here, but I'm like, what's well, so good? No, it's nothing compared to what you guys are going through. And, and he says, oh, so good. We pray for you all the time. Do you know that when you're here, due to time difference, you could be sleeping, but, but prayers over your life are being uttered in the Thai language, in the Thai tongue. You're blessed, church. You are very blessed. Amen. The question is, what are we doing? What are we doing with, with the ball that God has placed in our hands? What are we doing here? You know, what on earth? What in London are we doing for heaven's sake? Amen. And so, uh, they are, of course, saying, we're praying for you. And uh, in Myanmar, the, the, oh, sorry, in Thailand, sorry, jet lag. In Thailand, uh, some of the spiritual warfare is very real. Talking about, you know, black magic and, 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 and all this kind of like, you know, uh, uh, voodoo and, and, and stuff like that. In fact, one pastor uh, went and they, they held like a meeting and uh, they said that, oh, I, I sense that there's someone here with uh, witchcraft uh, wanting to, to mess with the, the people of God. He, and then he says, I release a word. My God wants to extend his hand in friendship. Would you take his hand? Uh, and then immediately he saw somebody ran out and left the room. <laughs> and, and, and that's the kind of stuff that they do. <laughs> and then they say that, we're praying for you. We're praying that your church will stand up against darkness. Now I'm thinking, my church needs to realize they have a darkness to stand up against. Let's turn to Acts chapter 15, verse 12 to 17. Acts 15, 12 to 17. Amen. It says this, Then all the multitude kept silent and listened to Barnabas and Paul, declaring how many miracles and wonders God had worked through them among the Gentiles. A little bit like what happened. Uh, we were all silent. I said that it wasn't Barnabas and Paul. I was just sharing. And it wasn't what we, me and Kat did, but what other pastors are doing. The amazing work that's happening among the Gentiles, among the pagans. And after they had become silent, James answered saying, Men and brethren, listen to me. Simon has declared how God at the first visited the Gentiles to take out of them a people for his name. So this is uh, James... Um, who was kind of like, the, kind of like uh, uh, you know, the brother of Jesus who was the de facto leader at the time of the Jerusalem Council. Simon, they're talking about Peter, declaring about how he had went to minister to Cornelius. So this is all in the book of Acts, right? Just to give you some, some, some background. So what they're talking about. Talking about how the Holy Spirit was poured out on Cornelius, the first Gentile family to receive, you know, the Holy Spirit and all that. And so it's saying that, wow, what Paul and Barnabas are now saying is more confirmation that God's desire is for the gospel and the Holy Spirit to be shared and preached to all the world, not just among the Jewish uh, community and, and nations only. And with these, the words of the prophets agree. So not only uh, is God giving us uh, real life, real time, real world examples, how many of you, after hearing some of these things I shared with you, know that, that God's desire is for the nations? How many of you, after hearing this, know that God's place for you is in London? 
If God wanted you to do great things, He would put you in, in Myanmar to do great things. But you're in London, not because there are no great things to do, but because there are great things that have not yet been done. And the ball is in your court. And not only uh, these other examples in, in ex-church Myanmar, ex-church Lake Toba, ex-church uh, uh, Botswana, uh, a confirmation in our spirit, but the words of the prophets agree as well. Scripture agrees with us. As it is written, and let's read this. After this, I will return and will rebuild the tabernacle of David, which has fallen down. I will rebuild its ruins and I will set it up so that the rest of mankind may seek the Lord. Even all the Gentiles who are called by my name, says the Lord who does all these things. And so this is basically confirmation that Scripture, God said, I, I want to come. And Jesus did come. He is the son of David who came to restore the tabernacle of David. And why the tabernacle of David? No, the tabernacle of David was basically a, a, a Davidic worship. And different people worshipped through different things. Abraham worshipped by giving and sacrifice. Abraham uh, showed his faith by following. But David showed his worship unto God through musical and extravagant and, and poetic uh, uh, worship. Uh, we have the Psalms because David uh, uh, wrote them uh, in tribute to God. Uh, we, we sing in church today because David was the people, uh, no, uh, uh, David and his team, his musicians, uh, um, were the ones that introduced musical worship uh, uh, into mainstream uh, uh, way of pleasing God in, in the old times. And that's why we still do it today. Uh, and, and, but I want us to know that God did all this not because He likes music, God did all this because David was a man after his own heart. And I believe that I want us to walk away today is, now that you know the heart of God, is that in your heart? Because whatever was in God's heart was in David's heart, and that's why God had a special place for David and wanted to, to allow Jesus to come through the lineage of David. The question is, to us today, church, is that uh, are we running after God's heart? Are we running after God's heart here in the UK? Are we running after God's heart here in London? As a church, are we running after God's heart? And in, in verses 16 to 17, you see God's desire that all of mankind should know Him and praise Him. You see our purpose in case you're wandering around life thinking, you know, I'm not sure what this church is about, Th this is our statement right here. This is our purpose right here. Not just for our church, but for every believer. This is what we came to do to, to, to finish what Jesus had started. You know, He restored this type of worship and we are now to take, you know, not just worship in terms of song, but, but worship in terms of running after God's heart. That's true worship. That's worship without music. Do you know that you can worship God at your workplace? Without turning on music? Some of us think that, oh, I want to reach out to my workplace. Let me turn on some, some, some hymns. So let me turn on some hill song. No? Let me turn on some, I don't know, extra praise or, or whatever it is. And, but how many know that that's, that's not worship? Worship is when you turn up at your workplace, at your place of study, when you turn up and you follow God's heart. That you study to honour God. That you work to honour God. Uh, that you treat your work and your study like worship unto God, that you do everything with excellence unto God. That's worship. And God is saying that, I, I want to restore that. I want my people to run after that. Because if they will run after me with excellence, the whole world will know. And so in this, we find God's desire. In this, we find our purpose. In this, we find the purpose of all mankind. Because we are all built to worship God. And that's why he wanted to restore that. Amen. Everyone, every tongue and tribe. And this is also the image of revival. This is what revival looks like. That all of us, we worship God. All of us. Not just loud music only, but all of us. With music, without music, we're worshipping God. Amen. And I want us as a church to, to, to go back thinking, man, you know, with, with the new year, uh, uh, you know, just starting and, and if we're not careful, if you don't seize time, time will fly by. It's already March. Isn't that scary? Uh, it's technically first quarter time. There's three more quarters left. You know, and I know some of you are, are counting down your days for holidays, but friends, I'm here to tell you we, we live for so much more than holidays. 
Amen. We, we, are you living for God's heart? And, and I, I want to share with us, you know, very simply uh, very, and very quickly, six points. <laughs> but this is who God wants us to be as a church. And I sense that God wants us to, to, to run after Him, just like how David ran after Him. God wants us to be a church after his own heart, just like how David was a man after his own heart. He wants ex-London to be a church after his own heart. And when I say ex-London, I'm not talking about Ken and I, I'm talking about all of us. Because this is our church, isn't it? Amen? And so there are six things that I sense that God wants to realign us back to. And, and I want every team, every worship team, even if you're not serving yet, I want you, this is, this is the DNA of who we are as a church. Six things... To, that we must remember as ex-London. First thing, to be a church without walls. As a church, as a community of believers, let's be a church that finishes the work of Jesus and not just have our own socials. Let's be a church without walls. Every time when you gather here, don't just look around and go like, which one of my friends is, is not here? You know, which one of my home members is not here? Oh, don't get me wrong, good. Good to look out for each other. You know, if you're here and some of your people from home is not here, you know, send them a text and say, we missed you. You know, if a new person you met last week is not here, send them a text and say, hey, where were you? We missed you. But let's also look beyond the walls and go like, who else can I bring in? Not just who that I already know uh, uh, is not here, but ask God, God, give me a new name. Give me, give me, give me a colleague. God, give me courage to engage my colleague. Help me to realize that as a church, we do not just exist for ourselves, but we exist for the people beyond these four walls. Amen? Second thing to remember is we need to be a church without a building. The first point is to be a church without walls. You might be thinking, is that the same thing? No, to be a church without a building means that church can happen anywhere, anytime. Can we start seeing homes as mini churches? Do you know what's happening? God's leading our church in Malaysia to do. They're introducing this, this term. They, they, don't, they, they say, we're not going to say multiply homes anymore. We're going to say we're going to plant a home. And even when the home is not ready to multiply, maybe three people there. Because sometimes you get 10 people in homes, seven people just want good fellowship, and three are itching for the loss. And so what's happening is that God is allowing our church to mobilize and empower and with the blessing of leadership to release the three to plant homes and leave the seven to, to rise up and hopefully they will realize that you know homes is more than just good food uh, but it's about reaching one more person two more person so we want to be a church without a building don't just start thinking oh nowhere how no no every, every everywhere can meet anywhere Amen. Maybe some of us here, God will challenge you to start prayer groups in your campuses and be a church without a building. You don't even need a building. You just need maybe a corner. Amen. Just to gather and say, hey, there's a bunch of us who go to that college. Let's, let's pray that more people here will come to know the Lord. Isn't that powerful? You know, third thing to remember, to be a church beyond meetings. No, we're not big fans of meeting for the sake of meeting to be a church beyond meetings. Not saying that don't come for prayer meetings, come. Don't come for homes, come. Don't come for church, come. But understand that, you know, we're also not here just to have a holy huddle. You know, without spying into your phone, I know that we, you, all of us here have many group chats. And if you're honest, some of those group chats are not always the healthiest. Can we be a church that, that thinks beyond the group chats? Can we, you know, don't get me wrong, go out and have your fellowship, but when you guys have your fellowship, can you think beyond that meeting? When you go out to have your meals, can you think beyond that meeting and go like, you know what, who else can I include? Who else can I connect with? Amen. And also to see every meeting, not just as something to tick off our list, but to realize that homes and, and, and prayer meeting and, and other trainings that we will do are focused on equipping people for abundant life. And we want to be a church that does that. So at the same time, don't be afraid of the meetings that we will do, the trainings that we will do. But at the same time, don't be so engrossed and, and have your mind stuck in the group chats and the group fellowships only. And think beyond, man, how, how can I reach one more, two more? Amen? Let's be, let's be a church 
by design. What does that mean? That means to be the type of church that God designed us to be. Can you turn with me to Psalm 127? I shared this at a conference um, because it was something that God spoke to, to both myself and Pastor Kat and I won't share it with us today. Uh, do you know, can I be honest, for the longest while, um, some people, you know, when they come to you know, London, people looking for churches, and so sometimes people come and they say things like, oh, your church very young, huh? And can I be honest, in the early days, I used to be so affected by that and I'll try to justify. Maybe that's why I grew up yet. Uh, and, and just, no, no, we're, we're mature, you know. <laughs> As I said that, I feel like, you know, I'm tiptoeing just to make myself look older and more respectable. Um, but after a while, I realized that, you know what? Maybe our church is young by design. But not our design. Because our design is, let's, let's have, you know, more married couples. Let's have, you know, more young adults so that we look more responsible. We look more respectable. And don't get me wrong. We love people. So married couples, come. Keep coming. Have children. We'll do ex-kids for you. No problem. You know, uh, uh, young adults, keep coming. But at the same time, I believe that our, and, and I'm looking at the demographic and I, I used to be so insecure. I would go back and sometimes people ask me, when are you finally, you know, <laughs> I don't know, well-meaning but not so clever church members sometimes can come up to, to me and go like, so when is ex-London actually going to reach the loss in London? And they were basically criticizing the, the color of our church. Because to them, unless you're reaching British people or in their eyes, because <laughs> they say we've got Brits in church. There's one guy, peanut allergy. He's, he's you know, <laughs> he's really British. <laughs> but what they mean is, unless your church looks white, excellence is not successful. And for the longest while, I was like struggling with that. I'm like, what's wrong with me? What's wrong with our ministry? Do I need to change my accent? Maybe I'm doing something wrong. But then God says that maybe the way our church demographic is, is by His design. And I know we are definitely more than one nation. In fact, we are quite an international church. And we do have Brits. Just that, you know, the rest of the world needs to enlarge their thinking and realize that Britain's really multicultural as well. And just because we look multicultural doesn't mean we're not reaching this place. But, not just, but just because we're in London doesn't mean we can't reach people from other nations. And, and, and so we've got to be a church by design, specifically God's design. Because friends, there are too many churches that are running around looking to other people, other church formulas as an example. The Bible says that we are all meant to be a body of Christ. And each part plays, a, you know, each of us, each church, each individual, we're a different part, different organ. Uh, the, the, the unfortunate thing is many people, many Christians, even pastors even, are looking to some of these churches that are big and influential and maybe they are like a hand, you know, and, and thinking that, wow, that's success. But how many know that if all of our body parts are made of hand, we are a monster? That's not the image of Christ. And so there will be maximum two hands and two feet and, and there will be two ears. And I don't know what ex-London's role is, but I want it to be by God's design. And so God has given us this, this scripture and I believe that this is God's design for us. Psalm 127, unless the Lord builds the house, they labor in vain, those who built it. Unless the Lord guards the city, the watchman stays awake in vain. And this is God telling us that, you know what? Ex-London, you don't have to worry. Ex-Church UK, you don't have to worry about not having connections. It's about having me. In fact, when myself and Kat first came to this country, we had nothing. You know, we didn't even have the proper work visas. Now we can say it, you know. <laughs> but at the time, we couldn't. <laughs> because it's not about who you know or what you have. It's about do you have God and His presence. You can have the best worship team in the world, but if God is not there, it will just be an empty concert. But you can have, you know, we don't even have a stage and we don't need a stage, but as long as we have God, everyone can be touched by the Holy Spirit. Amen? Okay, let's move on. It is... It is vain for you to rise up early, to sit up late, to eat the bread of sorrows. Sometimes as leaders, we eat the bread of sorrows. For so He gives His beloved sleep. So don't worry about that. If God is in the picture, it's going to be okay. Behold, children are a heritage from the Lord, 
the fruit of the womb is a reward. Many times we look at this scripture and we think that, oh, it's uh, the scripture that in-laws give to their young children to pressure them to have kids. You know, children are a blessing from the law, so why are you not having them yet, Dave? Uh, And... uh, (laughs) And then I would say that, no, because you're taking this scripture out of context, because it's talking about building God's house. So it's not about having just physical kids only. Don't get me wrong, they are a blessing from the Lord. But it's also about the strategy of harnessing the power of young people for any organization. So if you want to build a successful organization, you need the presence of God. Otherwise, no matter how hard you work, it's going to fail. And secondly, you need the power of youth. And so it goes on to say, like arrows in the hands of a warrior, so are the children of one's youth. So if you're purely talking about children, then this scripture is wrong. Does it mean that as children grow older, they're no longer a blessing? No, no, no. It means that youthful, there's, there's, it, youthful energy is, is, are like arrows in the right hands. And happy is the man who has his quiver full of them. They shall not be ashamed, but shall speak with their enemies in the gate. Do you know how boss that is? That when your enemies come to the gate and then you go like, so you want to surrender? Well, what do you mean? We're here to attack you. Yeah, you sure about that? Because I've got arrows. And in ancient warfare, arrows were the cutting edge technology. And so God is saying that if you want to build a, 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 a cutting edge organization or ministry, you need me and you need to know how to harness young people and harvest young people. And, and, and God begin to build this revelation within us and go, you know what? Maybe we are young by design. And I'm not saying that, you know, those of us who feel a bit older, and age is uh, just a number, I believe that. Uh, but I also believe that as long as you are as young as Abraham, you can be used by God. And Abraham was 100 and God was still challenging him to go. So if you're less than 100, you've got, you got no excuses not to go and you're still young, and you're still an arrow. And God is saying to us as a church, can you, can you see yourself as an arrow? Would you allow God to stretch you? How do you know that to launch an arrow, you've got to be stretched? You've got to be pulled back? Some of us, we don't like God's values. It feels like it's pulling me back. Oh, London is so fun. You know, church is pulling me back. Church leadership, oh, Pastor Dave, always talking about pleasing God. He's pulling me back. Why can't you just tell me to go and make money and love whoever I want? He's pulling me back so that you can launch further. So that you can hit the goal that God has, you, has for you. And, and not just that, it says that, you know, uh, happy is the man who has his quill full of them, they shall not be ashamed. And God began to drop this picture that we're here in London and there's an arms race. And whoever who can collect the most arrows win. Do you know that besides the church, there are organizations out there that want to collect young people. I'm not talking about human trafficking, I mean just wrong teaching. Right? Do, do you see that in university even there is a, there's a battle going on? You're either taught to live for the right things or you're taught to live according to the world. Success according to the world. You know, uh, fun according to the world. And, and, and the enemy it, are trying to steal those arrows because even the enemy knows that whoever controls the arrows wins the war. And as a church, maybe we're young by design. Maybe God's placed you where you're at. Maybe you're young by design. Don't despise that. Reach for other arrows. Allow yourself to be positioned as an arrow for the Lord. Amen? Let's be a church by God's design. Point number five and six, and then I'll close, I promise. To be, a, to be an everybody church. Everybody church. Means that let's be a church that everybody gets involved. So when we say let's go church, I'm not saying that, oh, those of us who are feeling a bit more evangelistic. No, everybody, all of us, we have someone to reach. All of us have a territory to claim for God. Let's be an everybody church. Everybody serve. Everybody go. Everybody pray. Everybody give. Everybody say amen. Amen. Not everybody yet. We'll get there. And last but not least, to be a church for everybody. I believe that God positioned London to be such an exciting city for the nations. Do you know the nations come here to work, to study? And let's be a church for the nations. Amen? Let's be a church. Let's, let's, let's ask God for a bigger vision. Let's ask God, God, give me, give me the anointing you know, to, to, to reach. Maybe, you know, uh, I found my, my footing now in London thanks to church, but maybe there are other people, you know, studying what I do and 
they are not from the UK and they are still feeling a bit lost and maybe now that I feel less lost, God, you can give me an anointing to reach out to them, to befriend them and to, you know, and slowly share Christ with them. But Lord, we want to be a church for everybody. Amen? So I, I hope that you're blessed by it, but more than that, I hope that we will respond. Can I have the worship team up and with the limited time that we have left, I want us to respond because I think that's the only way to end today's message. Amen. And I just sense that God wants, I hope that you've been challenged. I hope that you've been blessed. But I want us to respond. Because I, I, I really feel that God wants us to not just be a church where we meet and gather for ourselves, but He wants us to respond. And I wonder how many of you here, you heard whether it's the testimonies I shared, the scripture I shared, but you, you feel that you can't help it. Even, even before today's message, you were already feeling the nudge of God for you to rise up and to be the church, to be the believer that He wants you to be. I want you to respond. I want the worship team to lead us in prayer and I want us to respond to God. Amen. I want you to stand right where you are at and I want us to Amen. I want us to just reach out to God. I want us to respond to God. Maybe God's already challenging you. Maybe for some of you, God's already put missions in your heart, Africa in your heart. I want you to respond. You don't have to tell me, but you got to respond to God. Do something with that nudging. Don't just, don't just sit on it. Do something with it. Worship and, 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 and give it to God. Wrestle with it, whatever it is. Some of you, God, uh, God's earmarking you to be an evangelist in the marketplace right where your work, God's constantly reminding you, you're not just there to earn a paycheck, you're not just promoted for no purpose, you're there because I want you to be there and you're going to seek me for why you are there. And stop living for yourself and start living for God. Some of us here, God has reminded us of the scholarships that He's blessed us with and sometimes we complain and sometimes all we can think about is that paper, oh, I don't want to fail, I don't want to fail but you know what's worse? Failing God failing the, the mission that has given you. That scholarship is not just so that you can have a UK experience. That is so that you can be positioned right where He wants you to be. Are you living for God's eternity in your university? I want you to respond if that's you. Even if you haven't been, but you, you feel that God's nudging you. You say that today I want to draw that line in the sand and say that enough is enough. I want to chase after God. I want you to stand right where you are at. I want you to just begin to worship. Amen. Hallelujah. Can we do that right now, church? Will you just respond to God in worship? Amen. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. If you've been touched by today's message and would like to invite Jesus into your life, why don't you join me in saying this prayer? Lord Jesus, thank you for paying the ultimate price for my sins by dying on the cross for me. I receive your love and forgiveness and eternal life by faith. Come into my heart and life and be my Lord and my Savior. Fill me with your Holy Spirit. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks for tuning in today. We hope that you've been blessed by today's message. For more information about Acts, you can check out www.actschurch.uk. God bless.